This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Thank you so much, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, maybe a brief introduction about yourself and the work you do around financial literacy by keeping uh, the youth and people with basic skills around to enable them make smart financial decisions. Yeah. So thanks for having me. My name is Rina Hicks. I am a director at FIDA Investment Bank. But over the years, I have gained a lot of passion for helping people become financially literate. And so I set up a platform called MoneyWise, where I educate the public on all things investing, money and entrepreneurship. And it has grown uh, and it basically grew from a book that I wrote in 2016 called MoneyWise, Create, Grow and Preserve Wealth. And since then, we have created an organization that then offers coaching for groups, for individuals. We have also created an opportunity to train different people. So we do have training programs as well as an online training program that we're launching in February of 2021 called Investable. Yeah, so that's what we do. You know, the reality is that in Kenya, the financial literacy levels are really low. I remember in 2017, the Retirement Benefits Authority CEO at the time said that 80% of Kenyans were retiring poor and that only 15% of the adult population in Kenya have a pension account, only 15%. You know, so you find that even with those who have, a very, very small percentage of them have sufficient money to cater for them during the time of retirement. And it's really just because people don't know and so they don't pay much attention. We want to live extravagantly. We enjoy our lives without thinking really about the future. When you look at our pension industry generally, Kenya has about 13% of our pension assets as a percentage of GDP. In South Africa, it's 95%. You know, in the US, it's about 84%. So when you look at 13 against that, We have a challenge in this country and even in the region because Uganda is about 8% and Tanzania about 8.4%. So, And so that's why I'm passionate about it. I mean, surely we must begin to understand how to make investment decisions and plan for our future and ensure that we have a secure future for ourselves, our children and our grandchildren. Okay. Speaking of investing, 2020, I think, has been tough for everyone from a financial perspective. Yeah. From a health perspective. And I think one of the things that has hit hard during this period is how do we manage our finances, how do we save and invest, and uh, then protect our wealth. Uh, looking at how the year has been and the experience over the years, how would you recommend the best investment process during a crisis and some of the best investment options where you protect your hard-earned money? Yeah. You know, the reality is there'll always be a crisis, whether it's a disease or it's a market crash or it is the weather. There's always something. I remember before Corona came, we had locusts in this country, you know, and then a year before that, we had a serious drought. And so, you know, we're always going to have issues that happen. Markets may not necessarily react as we should. So my view is the principles really remain the same. I think over time, the idea is to understand what are my goals and what do I want to be able to achieve and start 
planning towards creating an investment portfolio that protects you from risks and any potential risk. I think what happens is most people will wake up and decide, okay, actually I need to start investing. What do I do? Yeah, people have been buying land. Where is the most popular place? It's Nanyuki. Yeah, let's go buy land in Nanyuki. And on the way to Nanyuki, their friend tells them, by the way, I just bought Kenjan shares and let's buy Kenjan because such and such is happening. I heard the government is doing ABCD and it's owned by the government. It's never going to collapse. And so then this person buys land, then they buy shares based on a hunch. And so they don't end up thinking about the investment portfolio systematically. That's where the problem happens. So whether there's a crisis or not, I think it's important to have a plan. Number one, you must have an emergency fund. We must have money set aside in near cash instruments or in cash that's available to us to meet our basic needs. And how do you then create that? It's really to find a way to calculate what are my most important expenses in a month. That's rent, that's education, that's, you know, you calculate what those are. And that number you multiply it by six and you want to be able to find a way to create that money somewhere where you can access it easily. The other thing that you need to do once you've done that is what do I need to protect myself from? So maybe I'm a single parent and I need to ensure my children are catered for should something happen to me. So things like endowment policies are important. It's not necessarily an investment, but it helps to you know, take care of risk. You know, Once you've saved for your emergency fund, you also need to have some money in a secure investment to ensure that should something happen in the economy, your money is still secure. So things like treasury bills and bonds are also important to consider. Money market funds are also a place you can save as you plan to invest in other investment funds. So bubbles exist, markets crash for various reasons all over the world, not just in Kenya. So the idea is to just have a disciplined approach and a framework within which you invest. And so in fact, investable is really about that. How do you create that framework based on yourself and your situation and circumstance? So the other thing that your portfolio of assets must do is provide an opportunity for you to then continue to enjoy your current standard of living. So even in a period of crisis, you want to be able to ensure that where you invest your money is going to grow higher than inflation. So the only difference is the choices you make in a period of crisis is you look for companies that are going to stand the test of time. What are those organizations and sectors that if I invested in, they'll continue to do well even through this crisis? So, so companies in tech, those, those are tech-based, uh, innovative type companies that will continue to be needed, people in financial services. And then the key thing is to also just check how can I invest in these companies at a price that is below their fair market value so that then you're buying low and not expensive shares. So sometimes it might be a good sector, but the price is too high. It's already rich and you're not going to get much value out of it. So it's important to do that. So I think that's what I would say. I think don't stop investing. Don't be fearful. Just make sure that you invest in assets that are going to keep your portfolio secure and also look for opportunities within sectors that are going to continue to do well now and in the future, despite the crisis that we currently face. I think one of the most common questions that we get from people who are starting the investment journey through the past, uh, and I think as we are headed into the new year, a lot of people are thinking about how do they start applying their financial journeys in proper manner. I think one of the questions that is, is when is the best time to begin investing? Yeah. How would you answer that? You know, the soonest you can begin, <laughs> the earliest, the better. Because when you're younger, you have time to recover if you make mistakes you're able to take more risks and learn from those mistakes that you've made. But the older you get, the more tricky it becomes because if you make a mistake, it could be detrimental to your future. So the other thing is that when you start early, 
you benefit from what we call power of compounding interest. Because if you invest your money and reinvest it over time, then you find the earnings that you make or the interest that you earn earns more. And so that ability to compound, it's like magic, you know? It's, I think it was Albert Einstein who said it's the eighth wonder of the world. Was it ninth wonder of the world? And so the reality is the longer you have, uh, the better. I remember interviewing somebody in the pension industry and we looked at actual numbers on an Excel sheet and the difference between somebody investing at 20 years and at 40, it's almost triple to be able to get the same value at the end when you're retiring. And so the earlier you begin, then the less you need to put away. You know, you can get away with putting 5,000 shillings. But if you start when you're 40, now you need to put things like 25,000 to 50,000 to be able to catch up. Um, and so the earlier that you can start, the better. Yeah. Okay. When I read your book, I think in 2016, I think it's a book that anyone should get access to read, generally to help them plan their finances and all that. And one of the things that stood out for me was how to think long term when it comes to investing. Yeah. I think some of the key lessons from the book is how do you plan around developing a plan for wealth creation and management mm. while it's also linked to your investment values and purposes. Yes. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about it. Yeah, that's something that is so big for me. I think values. Okay, so maybe I can start with just explaining what I think values are. Your values or what some people call your core values are those things that you hold as very important to you. The things that drive you, those things that are sort of your guide as you make every single decision. Every single day we make so many decisions and each decision we make is based on values. Now what happens is that when you don't know what your values are or what's important to you, then you live your life based on others' expectations of you, whether that's your parents, your siblings, the society, and you kind of formulate a life that is not really what you would deeply desire and based on your purpose, but more what other people think. And that's why then you get caught up in keeping up with Joneses and making purchasing decisions that really don't align with what's important to you, getting into debt for nonsensical reasons, because you've not taken time to think through what kind of life do I want to live and what's important to me. Once you know what's important to you, then you decide, okay, this is what I want to be able to do. These are the values that are important to me. These are the causes that are important to me. And this is why I'm going to invest in these different things. And so when you create an investment portfolio that's based on your values, then things change. I mean, issues such as procrastination and not being able to be consistent come out of the way because you're driven by an inner drive and desire to see something happen that is meaningful to you, that has an inner sort of passion and purpose that comes from somewhere within. And so then you find that you wake up every morning excited about getting up to do the things that you want to do. Planning ahead and thinking, you know, my children or my family is very important to me. I want to be able to spend more time with them or I want to make sure that they go to good schools. And that's a value that you have that you're like, you know, because I want to be able to do that, I'm going to sacrifice to make sure that that happens. But when you don't have that, then you find that you then, you know, procrastinate, you struggle with making sacrifices, you are in debt for reasons that don't make sense. Um, and I just find that when you start from discovering what your values are, then your investment decisions are really well informed and you're able to stick with the plan much, much easier. Interesting. I think one of the things that it's good to talk about with here are investment options and then how do you choose what are the good investments while also trying to protect, let's say, your assets. I think one of the things 
that stood out in the year was around people usually get attracted to investment because of the yield. Mm. And, and usually the yield isn't usually the, the, the main thing that we should look at. Yeah. Uh, probably you can mention about how do we choose an investment option by not looking at, by not being attracted to the yield. Yeah. But by not being attracted to the yield. So the first place you start with is what is my goal? What do I want to be able to achieve? So you might have a bit of money that has come through. Maybe you were paid a bonus or you sold an asset and you have some money. The first thing is how much time do I have with this money? What's my investment horizon? Do I have it for three months before I start my project? Maybe the money I have is to buy a car or perhaps it's to pay school fees or maybe it's, you know, for five years from today. So what is my time horizon? The second thing is, how much risk am I able to take? And not just able, but willing also, because risk is a key element. And once you then know what your objectives are, how much time you have with this money and your level of risk, then you can start to decide what kind of investment opportunity that you can begin to consider. So if it's short term, then your investments are limited. If it's, let's say, less than a year, then things like money market funds, treasury bills and bonds, fixed deposit accounts, those are the kind of things because you need to ensure that your capital is protected. If you have a little bit more time, more than a year, and perhaps into five years, then you can consider things like stocks, things like even commodities. You can go into real estate and those sorts of things, depending on the amount of money that you have. Now, with regard to even within those different investment options, how do you make a decision? So for example, I decide I want to put money in a money market fund. There's so many available. And you open the newspaper and you can see a whole list of 20 something options that you have. How do you make a decision which one to go for? The first thing is looking at companies that are solid, well-run, strong balance sheet, and have been here for a while. Because you want to ensure that your money is safe. Because companies collapse. Even money market funds, uh, as we saw during the financial crisis of 2008, even huge banks, global banks can collapse. And so you want to choose asset management companies that are solid, that are well-run, and that are conservative. How do you tell that? You can tell from the kind of returns that they post. They always, every quarter, issue results and they post them in the newspaper. And if you miss that, if you go to their websites, you'll be able to see their financials. And so you can sort of see what size of balance sheet do they have. Secondly, you look at the return the one you're calling the yield. What is the average yield in the market? If the average yield is between nine and 10, for example, or eight and 10, for example, and you have somebody offering 6.5, which is less than the T-bill, then you'll be like, what am I putting my money there for? If it's lower than the treasury bill, I might as well invest in the treasury bill. Why would I invest in these guys? There's something not right because they are lower than the average. If their return is much higher than the market, the market is at 10 and they're at 15 or at 16, then you need to ask yourself a few questions because how are they able to give 16%? And this is a money market fund, which means that I can withdraw money at any point in time. If I put money after three months or after two months, I want my money back, I can get it back. How are they able to make 15 if the deposit rates in the banks is like 3%, the treasury bill rate is 7%. How are they able to make 15? What are they investing in? Because these guys usually invest in near cash instruments and so they're going to invest in similar assets that are short term so higher yields usually mean higher risk 
And so you have to then realize that if you take a higher yield, you're taking additional risk and you could potentially lose your money. And so you're better off choosing the higher yield of the average. <laughs> so if it's between eight and 10%, you can choose the ones that are like, you know, 9.8, close to 10%. Uh, percent. But the outliers, leave them alone. I would not recommend that you invest. Yes, you can make the money and you might do well, but the risk that you're taking is perhaps not worth it. Uh, maybe some of the red flags that investors should always look out for before making some of these positions. Yeah. So some of the red flags are one, the yield, the return. If it's higher than what is on average, please pay more attention. Two, who is behind it? I remember two years ago, there was a company that came and, and started talking about how they are giving returns of 21%, or 18 to 21%, and you're investing in private equity. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Private equity? And I can put in 200,000 shillings and you make me 20%? First, do you even understand what private equity is? So number two, you must understand what those companies are investing in. And they should be able to pull back, we call it the kimono, open it and show you where they're investing money, where there's lack of transparency in any investment opportunity. That's a red flag. They must be able to tell you how they're making the returns, and where they're making their money. If they can't do that, then walk away, walk away. The other thing is you as an individual need to be able to understand what that company does. Even if the company is listed on the stock exchange, there's are companies listed and in all kinds of stock exchanges that you try and understand what these guys do and you just, it's difficult to understand why are you listed? How is it that your shares are this price? And what do you exactly do? If you're unable to understand the business, it's best that you don't invest in it because then how do you make decisions on when to sell and when to get in and out and so your understanding of that company is very very important and obviously the background of the management is important they need to be people who have integrity and people who have a good history so if you don't know them have never heard of them can't tell what their history is and they are you know new kids on the block uh, I don't know I, I wouldn't be too excited about investing in, in assets that are run by people who don't have uh, solid backgrounds. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. So you approach the new year, that's uh, 2021. What are some of the, let's say, asset classes that you will be keenly watching? So, one of them is the bond market. I think, as we've seen with the way that uh, Treasury is borrowing and needing to finance government uh, expenditure, because they're not generating sufficient revenue to be able to finance the needs of the government. Um, I expect that yields, interest rates should go up. Um, it's likely we shall have an infrastructure bond issued soon, I believe somewhere in January. I could be wrong, but uh, there will be opportunities that are coming up soon that one should consider. So the thing is, if you can lock in good interest rates that are very attractive, it would be good. The other thing is stocks. But I have a caveat. I think stocks are very interesting. But I think investors will need to be very selective about the kind of companies that they invest in. Because there are some that would end up not doing very well. And the reality is 2021, at least for the first half for sure, will still remain quite uncertain. So like I had said earlier, you know, tech companies are good. Those that are investing in those companies that are consumer driven, I would stay away from because consumer 
consumer spending is going to be less. You know, whether that's in uh, real estate, you know, rentals, paints, those sorts of things, it's going to take a while to recover. And so I would go with innovative companies that are tech driven, but would not touch consumer driven organizations. And I would also avoid companies that are highly indebted, those that don't have cash flows, those whose working capitals are negative. And uh, yeah, I think real estate is interesting. I'm looking at real estate. Why? Because real estate generally has been rich in this country. People have been investing a lot in it, but the returns have been poor. And so you're also finding a lot of people selling. And so I think 2021 will be interesting to see what opportunities are available in real estate, particularly for residential. Um, residential and also commercial, but logistics driven. Because I think logistics is going to do fairly well in the coming months and years, um, just the way the world is going. Um, yeah, so I think those are the different areas that um, I'll be looking at. And then also commodities are interesting. Gold and silver still present very interesting opportunities, I think. Foreign stocks also, because, you know, we are limited here in Kenya. And now we have the ability to invest in foreign stocks uh, quite easily. And it's important, I must say, that it's important to ensure that you invest in hard currency. You know, if you look at how the Kenya shilling has depreciated since since January, if you just had $100 in your, in your drawer and took it out without any interest, you would have made 10%, 11% even. So, um, yeah, I'd say that and cash is important. Cash is also still important. Even with those assets that I'm saying we should look out for and watch and see, find opportunities in, cash for emergencies and cash for making investments so that you're liquid to be able to make good investment opportunities because they are coming is very, very important. So th that's what I would have to say. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I think uh, as we close, you can give the final word to our audience and uh, probably your message for the, for the coming year and how they can get in touch with you. Okay. So in terms of my concluding remarks, I think I recognize that investing can be fairly confusing and intimidating for beginners and also for people who've not ventured out into different investment opportunities. It doesn't have to be difficult. I think we have created a program that is really, really going to help people to think through things from their own perspective, not doing what everyone else is doing, but creating a plan and being able to take control of their financial future is something that we are doing. And so I'd ask that in the new year, if people can look out for Investable, it will be out and up at the end of February and people will be able to start registering from mid-February. And um, my contact details are uh, sema at moneywise.co.ke. That's our email address. If anyone has any questions, want to be able to take advantage of any opportunities, even investing in the stock market, through SEMA, I'll connect you with you know our brokerage firm and investment bank, FIDA Investment Bank, should you need any information or guidance on how to invest. Lastly, please remain hopeful, irrespective of your situation, whether you lost your job, your business has you know, lost turnover by a huge percentage, remain hopeful there's always a way out um keep in community don't stay alone talk to others network because it's through connecting with people that you find opportunities um and i wish you all the best for the new year and uh, god bless you all thank you Thanks.